Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, my name is Matt Sawada, one of the pastors here at LEFC. And again, it is an honor to open God's word with you today. Uh, if you're joining us this morning, uh, many of you know that we're in the middle of a, a sermon series titled Rock of Ages. And over the last couple months, we've been, been sitting in the book of First Peter. Today's a unique day. Last week, Pastor Tony finished 1 Peter, and this week we get to begin 2 Peter. So this is kind of a bridge sermon, connecting the two books. Same author, same apostle wrote both of them, um, but today we begin a new one. We get to jump in to 2 Peter. Well, thinking backwards, over the last couple months, what we've seen in the book of 1 Peter is this. We've seen a group of people, all these believers, who have, they've been struggling. They've been faced with hard circumstances. They've had to, they've suffered. They've been forced to submit in ways that it's not, uh, it hasn't been easy. And Peter has been writing to encourage these believers to find their identity in Christ, not in their circumstances. It's so easy to take what is going on around me, around us, and think our identity is rooted in that. But what Peter is saying, no. It's our circumstance does not define who we are. At the end of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, he says, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Stand fast in the grace that God has given you. So regardless of the circumstance, he's encouraging these believers to just rest. As as Justin just prayed, to just swim in that grace that's been given to you. And In 2 Peter, he begins building on top of that. He's saying if you're standing firm, if your faith foundation is firmly planted in that grace, he said, I want you to grow in it. See, at the end of this book, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless. And fall from your secure position. Remember, we're standing firm in grace. There's a secure position. But verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. See, Peter is worried that these believers will be led astray by false teachers. He's encouraging them to not only stand firm in the grace but to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you used a growth chart when you were growing up? And by growth chart, I mean this. I mean, you know, you'd step back to a door frame and someone would, probably a parent, would draw a line right above your head. Inside a door frame, it might be a mom and dad's room, it might have been a pantry, somewhere in your house. You know, it's certainly fun over the years to see how much you've grown. 
You know, you think of, of this one. There's, a, there's an image here on the screen. This is Megan, Tucker, and Liam. And they, this is charting their growth over the years. You can see the scribbles and the dates, and you know Megan was this tall here and that tall here. It's fun to see how much you or a child grew over the course of the last six months or over the last several years. Adults, you might have grown up doing this. Kids, your parents might do this with you. You know, growth is something that that happens in all of our lives. Last week, we were on a Zoom call with some friends from Virginia, and our our kids kind of hopped in. We hadn't seen these friends in years. Our kids hopped in, and their their response was, those are your kids? You're joking, right? They are, they're that big? They've grown that much? You see, a doorframe growth chart is evidence of that physical growth. Let me ask you this question, though. What does your your spiritual growth chart look like? You see, growth is continuous, it's ongoing. We're not supposed to stop growing. Colossians chapter two, verse six says, says this, so then just if you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, you've received that grace, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, this grace that you received once is something that we can continually drink. We can live in it. It's a beautiful reality. Well, some of you, if you think about that spiritual growth chart, you've had some pretty radical spikes at times. Others of you, um, Maybe you haven't grown since you've begun a relationship with Christ. It says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Colossians 2, in your case, would have meant you stopped growing. The grace was enough to enter into a relationship, but it hasn't been what you've continually rested in. And I would say in that case, your growth has probably been stunted. One commentator said this, This is a hard reality. He said that too many Christians are content simply with being Christian, happy to know they won't go to hell. You see, that that reality is speaking to the, the fact that Christians, that many of us believers, have relied on that grace once. The theological word is for justification. But yet, is that same grace that we need to continue to grow in. It's that same grace we need to rest in, to stand firm in it, but then also to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, I think Peter was worried about his readers. I think he was worried that without growth, his readers, these believers, had the potential to be led astray. And like Peter, as a shepherd of this flock, I'm, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that if you don't continue to grow, you're missing out on so much richness. My prayers for you over the years as individuals and for LEFC as a whole has been this. It's been centered on this theme, that we would not grow complacent in pursuing Jesus 
Christ. So what does your spiritual growth chart look like? Well, Peter begins telling us, he kind of charts what this, this can look like. And he tells us in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, that your spiritual faith chart, this growth chart, begins with a faith foundation. Let's just start in verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 of 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You guys hear that? So Peter was the author. He's this apostle that's written both books. And he's writing this book in particular to those who through the righteousness of God and to the Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith. That received word, it's a gift, it's been given to us. Ephesians 2 says it is, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. These individuals, he's talking to those readers for the first time. He's talking to us as believers 2,000 years later that we have received a faith, a gift as precious as Peter's. Peter was the apostle. He's saying, you've got the apostle Peter, the apostle John. You've got Matt Sawada and Tony Hunt and Alex Swan. We've all received that same faith. See, Peter is leveling a playing field right here. And it's not Peter that's doing it. He's saying the righteousness of Christ has leveled that playing field. We have received the same faith. Back at this time, I would imagine when Peter is writing, that he's addressing ethnic barriers. He's saying that the Gentile Christians have received the same faith as the Jewish Christians. He's, he's, again, leveling the playing field. And he's basically, I would imagine, saying, false teachers, you can't use that divide as something to create a broken community. But what's he doing for us now? For us, this truth gives us confidence. It gives us, we see in verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Through the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. You see, growth begins with a foundation of faith. Begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to admit that we are not God, that he is, and that we need his righteousness to enter into that relationship. And without that reality, there is no spiritual growth chart. It's flatlined. So how is your foundation Have you received a faith as precious as Peter's? Is a relationship with Christ a reality in your life? Well, thankfully, Peter continues here. That faith is enough, but he's given us even more, and it's through that faith that he's provided us resources to grow. 
We can actually grow on that foundation of faith. And he continues in verses three and four. And he says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That is a beautiful two verses, but he sure worded it difficultly. Difficultly? There's a a tough wording here as it's been translated out. There's so many thems and these that we're gonna look at this phrase by phrase, just gonna repeat it a couple times. We'll get the We'll get the feel of these two verses. He tells us that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything. This power is the first resource that he's provided. Romans 1.16 says this, says that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Level playing field. But it is the power that is provided. It's the power of God that brings salvation. And so it's his divine power, his salvation, his gospel has given us everything we need for a godly life. (laughs) To live a godly life. He has given us, he's made available all the resources that we need to live a God-pleasing life. And I think that's the expectation. If we've received a gift that is as precious as Peter's, the expectation now is to live godly. He expects us to pursue holiness. Peter spoke about this in chapter 1, verse 16 of 1 Peter said, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. This holiness is something because of his power we can pursue. And so we see that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's made this power available to us through knowledge of him. One commentator said that that knowledge is an intimate and informed relationship. It's realizing who God is and who I am. This is an identity thing. And so when we begin to, to know him and learn about him, we grow in our relationship with him. This is a byproduct of true conversion. We grow in that relationship. And so we see that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. And it's through these, through his majestic glory, through his moral goodness, it's through these that he has given us his very great and precious promises. Well, what are these promises? I would imagine when Peter wrote this, he's referring to what was already written. He's talking about Old Testament prophecies. He's talking about all the the truth that had been captured. What we can take from this is, these are the promises. It's this Bible. 
It's through these very great and precious promises that we can know him. These pages in this Bible give us a glimpse at his character, at his person. We, we get to know him and learn him and love him. <laughs> Handholds. I love you. Think of rock climbing. I think there's truth statements in this that have been handholds for me. I think of Romans 1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. It's a very great and precious promise. Or how about Deuteronomy 31 or Hebrews 13.5? I will never leave you or forsake you. That I'm not alone. I can be in his presence. How about Galatians 3? That for you, for Matt, I am a son of God through faith in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite promises is this. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for me. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You start taking truths like that and clinging to them and living in them. These identity statements change the way we act, react, and interact. It's through these promises, what we see here, it's through these, his glory and goodness, that he's given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, through these promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You see, it's through these promises, he allows us to do two things, right? He's given us his faith through his power, and it's through the knowledge of him that we actually can begin to decipher some of this book, which now allows us to participate and escape. There's two verbs. We get to participate in his divine nature. That doesn't mean we become divine. That means he gives us a piece of him that allows us to participate in it. He's gifted us his spirit and that's a game changer. So we get to participate in his nature, but we also get to escape these evil desires. Remember, he's given us the, the ability, everything we need to live godly lives. We need to run from sin and pursue righteousness. We need to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, Romans 12. And we can do these things because of the, the resources he's given us. Thankfully, he's given us these resources because on our own, we're toast. But even though he's given us more than we can imagine, he's given us more than we deserve through this good grace we just sang about, the reality is, is we're not free from personal responsibility. He's given us this faith. He's given us this power. He's given us these promises, allowed us to be a participant, encouraged us to escape these evil desires. But in the next few verses, you'll see that as believers, we have a responsibility to grow. He tells us this in 2 Peter chapter 1. I lost my place. 2 Peter 1 verse 5. He said, it is for this reason, I've given you all these things, and it's for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control 
perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. You see, he's given us a righteousness through Christ. We've received a faith, and he's given us his divine power. He's given us these resources, so we need to take responsibility. It's for this reason. My question for you again this morning is, have you taken that responsibility? Have you taken it? Is that something you've taken seriously? Uh, Many of us just attend church and assume it's enough. It's my responsibility to donate one hour a week to the God who's given us everything we need. (laughs) And many of us have been sitting in a spiritual lazy boy for the last 10 to 20 years. We haven't taken this charge seriously. Make every effort. I remember as a soccer player when I didn't make effort. When I didn't make every effort, oh, my coach let me know. Pretend like I'm the coach encouraging you to step up, step up your game. What does it mean to make every effort? You're probably sitting there thinking, wait, you want me to do things? Isn't God supposed to do that in me? Hasn't he already done this? He's given us this grace. What do I have to do? Those are great questions. You see, there's a tension that rests between personal human responsibility and effort and divine power. It's this seesaw that we're, we live in, we're stuck in. You see, other scripture speaks to this tension. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. But then on the flip side, Hebrews 4 says, let us therefore make every effort, that phrase sound familiar? Make every effort to enter this rest so that no one will perish. Is it God or is it me? And I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it's, it's not an either or. I think it's a both and. We know that we don't do it in our own power. But yet we're still supposed to do it. We know that this growth is not birthed from within me. It's his spirit that is doing these things. But yet I choose it. Think of an Olympic athlete born with tremendous national, natural ability. He still has to train. He still has to devote their life to train. I'd say God gets the credit. God gets the glory when we take responsibility and follow his spirit. Believe in his commands. We're just a participant So this verse, these kind of three verses, five, six, and seven, give us eight qualities. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. This list is not exhaustive. If you grow in these eight areas, I would imagine you're also growing and developing in others. But I think this list gives us something to measure against every day, every hour, every month. It gives us something to, to kind of check up and, and see, how am, I, how am I doing? 
I don't think this list is necessarily a ladder. You completely grow in goodness, and then you grow in knowledge, and then you grow in self-control, and then you grow in perseverance. I don't think it's a step ladder. So I don't think it's prescriptive in that. I think it is a descriptive list. You've got a Romans 12 list, a Galatians 5 list, a Colossians 3 list. And they're all a little different. I think what Peter is saying is that we need to walk by the Spirit, living a godly life, participating in his nature, and escaping the sin that resides in you. What do some of these look like? What would it look like to develop some of these qualities? Let's take knowledge. Knowledge is a theme in this whole book of 2 Peter. Do you you leave a sermon thinking, yeah, that was good, and then totally walk home and take it for face value and not even really think about it anymore? What if you actually took some of these discussion questions that, that we've written and And one of my other friends says, he likes to chop it up. Let's get together and chop it up. Let's chop up theology together and see how does what Pastor Matt said hold up throughout the whole breadth of Scripture. How does, that's called theology, beginning to take some of these truths and think, okay, where else is it? Where else does it speak about knowledge in in Scripture? Many of us are really good at sports stats or stock market quotes or movie titles. I'm horrible at titles, quotes, singers of songs. I'm, I'm bad. But we can, we can do a phenomenal job at turning on a radio and singing along a song. We've memorized the lyric. When was the last time you memorized the verse? When was the last time you intentionally tried to take these very great and precious promises and hide it, not only in your head, but in your heart? That's called meditation. You're simmering in it. You're beginning to realize who you are and who he is. And I would encourage you, find one of those handholds that give you encouragement and confidence. Memorize it. Now, I'm also going to say that with every one of these qualities, there's a caution. Because if you spend too much time on the knowledge side, you become really biblically literate. You become biblically smart, but pretty empty inside. You see this in seminaries. And so I just think... There's, there's a beauty to understanding what God has done and who he is. And I think it's necessary for us to, to live in that grace and knowledge. Oh, another, another quality. What, would, what does self-control look like? This is an easy one. Let me put a, let me put a little uh, basket of Wilbur Buds on a table in front of you. Try to not eat one for two days. Good luck. My mother-in-law is horrible because she just keeps putting out uh, M&Ms and treats and goodies. I've got, when goodies come out or like Girl Scout cookies, there's a box of Girl Scout cookies in the pantry. You see Matt's self-control go to zero. That box is empty quick. (laughs) So we experience a lack of self-control when the sweets show up. But what self-control is, it's the ability to say no. It's the ability to control self, to control your desires. I think we can go too far with this. We can swing way too far 
with this. I think it's really appropriate that self-control was right next to perseverance. It's really appropriate. Hebrews 12 talks about this, this striving, this endurance, and he, Christ endured the cross on our behalf. Well, it's easy to exhibit self-control once to deny gossip or to deny a, self, a sexual sin. But man, what perseverance and endurance is, it's harder to do it every single day. What does it, do, what does it look like to have self-control tomorrow and then the next week? That takes endurance. It takes faithfulness. So what does your spiritual growth chart look like? It matters. It matters. And these next four verses are really important because it speaks to the why. It tells us in, in verses 8 and 9 of Second Peter. It says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. There's no judgment here from me. I've had really erratic growth moments in my spiritual history, but the reality is, is that character matters. And so here I am this morning, a shepherd worried about his flock. I don't want to see sick sheep within LEFC. Like last week, the image Tony shared was a, a zebra lulled into thinking that it's okay to have the lion so close. I'd say that zebra did not understand its identity. And it didn't understand the identity of the lion. Read 1 Peter 5 if you need a little bit more context to that. So when we don't, 1 Peter 5, stand firm in the grace, and 2 Peter 3, grow in the grace and knowledge, I think we're in trouble spiritually. And so these are hard, probing, penetrating verses. Hopefully they'll make you reevaluate how you're doing. Verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a positive sense, if we have these qualities, we're making the effort and they're growing. And Peter affirms that we will not be ineffective, that we're developing fruit. There's, there's a fruitfulness to us. But the inverse is also true. If you're not growing, man, you're ineffective. You're unproductive and unfruitful. John 15 says that branches that aren't producing fruit are lopped off. What that means, you go read it, John 15, and begin to process what that looks like in your life. But verse 9 says he continues on this really hard trail, this hard path. Whoever does not have them, qualities, increasing qualities is nearsighted and blind and they've forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So if you do not have them, he's calling you selfish. You're nearsighted. You are not kingdom-minded. He's calling you blind. One commentator says that that blind, that word in the Greek, means you are willfully closing your eyes. It means you can't see your oikos. You can't see your relational world around you. You're so focused on yourself, you're not going to produce fruit. He's saying you're not just that, you're, you've forgotten 
Verse 1, you've forgotten that you have received this beautiful faith. You've forgotten grace. What causes this? Because no Christian that I've ever met wants to be spiritually described as ineffective and unproductive and blind and nearsighted and forgetful. Those aren't qualities people strive for. A couple things. What causes this? One, we begin to worship ourselves. Ourself. We, we lose sight of our identity in Christ. We've changed the foundation of our growth chart. And so we use the wrong or a different measuring stick. And our definition of spiritual growth is, is off. It might be about works. Our, we think, I just have to get married. And once I get married, I'll have experienced it all. Or I just need to be successful or wealthy. I mean, when I have grandkids, everything's going to be good. Those are good things. But they're not, the, they're, they fall way short of what Christ has done on our behalf. Or secondly, if, if we've worshipped ourself, we've changed the foundation, the other thing I think happens, and Peter's been speaking to this, is we allow our circumstances to become our identity. And we elevate them over Christ. So when you think about your history, what produce, what fruit has been produced from your spiritual life? Would you think, would you classify your spiritual life as productive or unproductive? Where has selfishness creeped in? Have you forgotten Jesus? I know for me, when I begin to stray, when my mind starts putting myself before Christ, I, I start comparing. And I allow a bitterness to creep in. And man, let me tell you, those moments are ugly in Matt's heart. That bitterness is not a fruit of the Spirit. That's classified as an evil desire that Peter has mentioned earlier on. Is there a bitterness that resides in your heart? Well, thankfully, he's extended us grace. This is, again, I've said this a couple times, it's a beautiful reality that we can escape these desires, perfection isn't required, through his generous resources, his glory and his goodness, his power and his promises. His righteousness has been given to us on his behalf. This is grace, that we are not perfect. We will experience failure, and when we do, we get to go back and rest in verse one in that precious faith that's been given to us. We can rest in what Christ has accomplished for me. So today... I don't don't just want to focus on today because Peter doesn't end there. It's not just about being better now, being better today. He's going to end in verses 10 and 11 by talking about eternity. He tells us this, 1 Peter 10, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make 
every effort, he repeats that again, to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whoa. That reality, that verse gives me hope, not just for today, but for forever. And I want my friends, I want my family, I want my oikos, my co-workers, my neighbors, to have that rich welcome. Don't you? You see, we, being fruitful now means we get to experience eternity with friends later. They get to experience the beauty and the hope and the joy that can be found only through Christ. See, God, in his grace, has given us the resources to grow. Have you taken the responsibility to walk in, to trust in? As, again, Justin, as he prayed this morning, to swim in the resources and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? I hope so. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the fact that you have, in your mercy, in your kindness, extended grace to us. Father, we thank you for this precious gift of faith, for the, the life, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and now the relationship with Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. Father, we just are amazed at the fact that we can be included in your family. But Father, I just, I just pray that you would, over the course of today and this week, bring these promises, these truth handholds to mind when we need them. Father, we desire to be participants in your divine nature. We want to hate sin and cling to what is good. So Lord, we just ask that your spirit would lead us to do just that. But Father, we also realize there's an effort on our point, our part. And I pray that your beauty, your, your son, Father, your, your goodness and your glory would be, would be motivators. Father, those would be the things we want to strive for. And they're the reason we're making this effort. Because we love you. Because we're thankful for the way you've loved us. Father, we're just blown away by this good grace that you've extended to us. So Father, thanks. Thanks for this morning, for this text, for this sermonette that Peter has penned in this book. And Father, it's a, just a pleasure to know you. So thanks, Father, for who you are and for how you've loved us. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Well, this morning, we've got a couple, a couple questions for you as a family, for you as an individual to process, or you as a life group or ABF to chew on. The first question that I'd love to, to throw out there, Peter mentions several resources in these first four verses of 2 Peter. What were they? 
And what does it look like to take advantage of these gifts in your life? What does it look like to take advantage of these God, good, grace-given gifts to us? Secondly, your individual growth affects the broader church. How is your growth affecting others? What community contexts are close enough to see this growth? And are they seeing this growth? Take a moment in your family or in your group to begin to encourage and affirm those around you. Tell them how you've seen growth happen. Thirdly, have you made any effort to grow recently? Collectively, as a group, or individually, decide on a quality and ask yourself these questions. How did Jesus model this quality? Are there any other scripture mention this? What does it look like when I fail, when I don't live this out? Sometimes it's helpful to discern what the opposite of the quality looks like so that you can grow in and through that quality. Lastly, practically, personally, what would it look like for you to grow in that quality this week? And lastly, take a glimpse at 2 Peter 1.8. Why is fruitfulness, why is being productive such an important character quality? How do you become fruitful? How do you grow in fruitfulness or productivity spiritually? What does that look like? What's God's job in that process? And then what actions are necessary in your part? Thank you again for joining us this morning. Thank you again for being a part of our worship service. Love to conclude this service by just reading from 1 Peter 5 and 2 Peter 3. 1 Peter 5.12 says, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Have a great day resting in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We love you.